Welcome to Health, Fitness and Success, your podcast for winning at everything. My name is Ben Tormey. My name is Marquise. Okay, so in the news, uh, we've had pretty major stuff going on. Um, first thing we're going to cover is uh, Elliot Roger, um, the misogynist killer. No! Oh shit, top are we not doing week, that? Man. Is that top of the week, Oh, fuck me, man. What <laughs> right. <laughs> shit. I knew that. I even said it. Fuck. <laughs> ah. Oh, God. Right, yeah. That's the best for the show. Best for <laughs> yeah, the show. Yeah, we'll just put this up. Cue the rocket music. Welcome to Health, Fitness, and Success. Episode 4. I'm just so mad. Welcome to Health, Fitness and Success, your podcast for winning everything. My name's Ben Tormey. I'm Marquis. And the first topic we're going to be discussing... Um, we're going to be looking at a BBC article entitled, entitled Trust Your Doctor, Not Wikipedia, Say Scientists. Um, so in this piece, they basically go on to say that in a study done um, by Dr. Robert Hasley of the Wallace School of Orthopedic Medicine in North Carolina, they found that up to nine... 90% of the Wikipedia articles um, that they sampled had some kind of error in them. So they were trying to advocate contacting your GP or going to go see your doctor rather than just trying to self-diagnose on Wikipedia, which seems like fairly uh, good advice to me. <laughs> that seems reasonable, yeah. <laughs> um, anything you like to add or chat about? Yeah, I mean, I've come across this... Um Myself, uh, I mean, the, the weird thing is that with Wikipedia, you, you tend to find the more the more obscure, you know, the more obscure the topic is, the more specialist it is, the more accurate the article tends to be. Um, although that's not, you know, that's not a rule of thumb you can apply to every Wikipedia article, but it's a, a useful heuristic. Um, so, I actually had an experience where um, I was doing, you know, I was I was doing a PhD and um, I noticed there was a Wikipedia article on one of the topics, uh, you know, that was relevant to that. And um, just out of interest, I read through it and I noticed um, some really odd bits in this article. It had clearly been edited by someone because um, obviously most people wouldn't be aware of this, but within mathematics and science in general, you've got you've got some weird people out there who are kind of in the most gracious terms you call them independent researchers but what they tend to be are quacks who <laughs> write their own kind of theoretical articles claim that the orthodox you know science community out there is against them and that their ideas are you know just being suppressed and and they often go and edit wikipedia uh entries <laughs> and and this guy had basically he'd added all these references to his work and he'd written what looked like a coherent paper i mean yeah if you were if you were just a lay person and you hadn't got a background in mathematics or even in this specific area, you, you might find the article plausible. But if you, you know, if you knew what you were talking about, you'd realize it was just nonsense. It was all 
um, meaningless technical jargon, like the actual ideas in it were nonsensical. But he'd, you know, managed to get this edit through. It'd been pushed through. And then when I went to edit it back, I actually got all of my edits rejected and I had to fight with the person who was managing this page to get the stuff removed that he'd, I mean, it was basically vandalism, but it'd been done with an element of authority, which meant that to the editors on Wikipedia, who in fairness are, you know, doing the best job they can, it looked plausible enough to them not being specialists that they didn't realize that it was vandalism, but anyone who was an expert would immediately see it was nonsense. So I can imagine that with, you know, medical articles especially it would be so easy to sneak something in that was you know fallacious um and then because you haven't got experts actively monitoring the articles which you know is it's not wikipedia's fault you know they obviously do their best but um as a community but that's it's so easy to get misinformation propagating like that yeah i mean wikipedia is a brilliant resource for anyone that's used it um but yeah like without um having a group of specialists or experts maybe doing something such as peer review if only someone would come up with a, a process like that that would be good um, <laughs> and put it in something maybe like a journal yeah like a collection of articles that were yeah. like on a, on a topic like someone imagine for like uh, all the American cardiologists came up and made up the American um, Journal of Cardiology yeah that, that that would that'd be really useful. And what you could do is instead of publishing it like on Wikipedia, you could maybe submit it like a draft, perhaps to to like a group of people. You know, that might be editors or something. Could maybe be um, ratified by a group of your yeah. peers, possibly. Yeah, and maybe if it wasn't accurate, it could be sent back for adjustments, perhaps. I mean, I don't know. So man, that 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 would be a that would be a good thing. That, that that would be useful. <laughs> I'm obviously taking the piss. It's a shame we don't have anything like that. <laughs> yeah, no. What a world it would be. We just got Wikipedia, <laughs> which anyone can uh, augment. Um, yeah, I mean, Wikipedia is obviously a great place to go and get um, general information. Um, but if you expect it to be the state of the art as regards the science, then yeah. you might be setting yourself up for a bit of a fall. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and what happens is, you know, the, if you have like a really obscure topic, a specialist topic in science, like mathematics, for instance, there's no chance that anyone who isn't an expert will have created that article. So you can pretty much rely on it. Uh, you know, it might have some inaccuracy or it might be poorly written, but you know it's not been fabricated. But obviously, the more mainstream the article is, the more likelihood that there is error. Not, not unless I go and start editing all of the mathematics articles on Wikipedia just for the crack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just because you said that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Knock yourself out. <laughs> uh, I've got a spare afternoon. <laughs> Fuck yeah. it, why not? Yeah. Uh, well, that's the other problem. The people with, you know, in in general, the people with the expertise in in areas uh, that are technical, like like medicine or science, um, don't spend all of their day locking down edits on a Wikipedia article. Whereas the, the most dangerous people out there, the ones who have no nothing but time on their hands, are the people who can do that. So, yeah. If only we had parallels in the fitness and health industry. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame I can't think of any like any of, the, any of like the entire industry. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that, that was a good addition, Ben. I didn't really have much to say on that. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll move on to the next one, which is um, a journal article 
um, published in the Journal of International Society of Sports Nutrition. Um, it's basically it was a experimental crossover study where they had ten subjects they engaged in an eight week program where they either consumed um, for four weeks they would either they would consume a quantity of almonds or they would consume uh, cookies of the same quantity and isocalorific, so they had the same calorie content, they had the same, uh, well, same calorie content is the main thing. Um, basically, they found that the almond group increased distance by 1.7 kilometers, and that's 21.9 versus 20.2, 22.2 kilometers being the cookie group. Uh, the, oh, sorry. Um, the almond group increased their time trial by 1.7 kilometers, and the cookie group increased it by 0.6 um, kilometers. Uh, almond, but not cookie, led to higher carbohydrate and lower fat oxidization and less oxygen consumption during time trial than baseline, whereas there was no significant difference in heart rate among baseline almond or cookie groups. Almonds maintained higher blood glucose level after time trial than cookies. Almonds have higher vitamin E and hemoglobin and lower serum fatty acid, slightly elevated serum arginine and nitric acid and plasma insulin than baseline and higher total antioxidant capacity than cookies. And... Yeah, so actually, reasonably interesting. Um, conclusions, whole almonds improve cycling distance and the element related to endurance performance more than isocalorific cookies in trained athletes as some nutrients in almonds may contribute to carbohydrate reservation and utilization and affect oxygen utilization. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, there's a number of things I, I probably want to know there, like um, what the composition of the you know these cookies uh you know what what was actually in them you know carbohydrate fat protein and so on um you know what the nutritional kind of uh the value of those cookies was um to kind of come up with a suitable comparison um but yeah i think i think the fact that they were having 75 grams of almonds a day makes me wonder to what extent that you know altered their their diets because I could imagine that let's say you're an endurance athlete and you're on quite a high carb diet um, and then you started eating you know 75 grams of whole almonds in addition to that um, I could understand why that might lead to more um, carbohydrate oxidation and lower fat oxidation perhaps because you altered the you know uh, macronutrient ratios of the diet and so I could see how that might have an effect um, not quite sure how you know what the comparison with cookies would be exactly, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, if you actually just look at the data, they came up with a p-value of zero point zero five three, so just shy of being um, significant. You need to be yeah. plucking hairs for that one. But if you actually look at the difference: a one point nine improvement versus a one or a point six improvement, so a one point two. All right. No, 1.1 improvement with 10 or tw- was it 10? Yeah, it was 10 cyclists. Yeah. Um, in one group, that's not really meaningful, I think. Uh, I mean, the other problem is it, uh, you're not controlling the rest of the diet, surely. So, 
you know, what, what effect would consuming an additional 75 grams of whole almonds have on the rest of the diet? I don't know. What about the cookies? I mean, is what else is going on here that hasn't been controlled for? That's, that's sort of my question mark over that one. Also, they, they didn't control the training. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which pretty much just means this story is a waste of time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, that was good. Um, they, they underwent three performance tests, including 125 minutes steady state status exercise and 20 minute time trial on an indoor stationary trainer at the start of the study and at the end of each intervention phase. So the intervention was the nutritional intervention. Right. Yep. <laughs> okay, that's pretty terrible, yeah. Um, um, it doesn't mention that they're on a heterogeneous program, everyone's doing the same thing, which would obviate for that. Um, it and it did, didn't even matter because there wasn't that much of a difference yeah. anyways. I don't know if it's randomised crossover. Yeah. They just went 10 weeks in one, or they went 4 weeks in one, and then 4 weeks in the other, which it would also completely screw what you were getting. Yeah, exactly. Really, what you need to do there is have two groups doing a controlled program, controlled diet over that ten that ten week period with baselines and your measures and throughout to be able to say see say anything, which they have not done. Yeah, and it was definitely it was. I mean, it's obvious that given such a you know an insignificant result that um, that it was. The <laughs> antioxidant content of the almonds that was giving the, the, <laughs> this performance benefit. I mean, it's definitely the vitamin E. Uh, couldn't Sorry. possibly be anything else. It's definitely not the, the, the 10 weeks of training that they did in between. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That had any difference. Uh, brilliant. All right. So, so I still think it's a worthwhile exercise to go through these studies just to show how shit sports science is. <laughs> Uh, well, a lot of sports science. There's some yeah. really good sports science out there. Yeah, there's um, some brilliant studies out there, of course, but this is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. Um, diary. Do you want to read this one? Um, the one about diet beverages. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is quite a big one, isn't it? Because um, a lot of people in fitness have been talking about this. It's basically um, a clinical trial. Um, this was done at the CU Anschutz. Yeah. Health and Wellness Center, um, which was at the University of Colorado, and they published this in the Journal of Obesity, uh, sorry, the Journal of the Obesity Society, rather, um, and it just confirms that drinking diet beverages helps people lose weight. So um, this was a 12-week clinical study. It had 303 participants, so it was actually quite a meaningful sample size. It wasn't just you know 20 people. Um, it was a randomized clinical trial um, to compare water and diet beverages on weight loss. Uh, and it was within a behavioral weight loss program. So it wasn't just left down to the individuals. Um, now, they found that the subjects who consumed diet beverages lost an average of 13 pounds, which was 44 percent more than the control group who lost an average of nine pounds. So, of course, everyone lost weight. Basically, well, on average, people lost weight um, within this behavioral weight loss program but key difference is that uh, if you consume diet beverages you lost more weight on average so um, more than half of the participants in the diet beverage group which was 64 percent to be precise lost at least five percent of their body weight compared with only 43 percent of the control group so um, that was another area of improvement there um, and 
what one of the authors was saying, one of the co-authors was saying, um, you know, there's so much misinformation about diet beverages that isn't based on studies designed to test cause and effect, especially on the Internet. Um, this research allows dieters to feel confident that low and no calorie sweetened beverages can play an important and helpful role as part of an effective and comprehensive weight loss strategy. Now, what he's referring to there is that um, a lot of gurus on the Internet um, tell you that diet beverages will make you fat. Um, for instance, there's one very well-known guru who made a big deal about um, specific artificial. Yeah, yeah uh, John Kiefer. Uh, <laughs> who had a go at me when I posted an article ripping his stuff to shreds. Um, suck it. Yeah, suck it, mate. Um, yeah, he, uh, he said that, um, he said that Asasulfam K, which is a, a popular sweetener in a lot of diet beverages, um, spiked insulin and that was the key reason why people on his cyclical keto diet where you don't track calories weren't losing fat. So, so he was saying that it was because the diet beverages they were consuming was spiking their insulin, not the fact that they weren't counting calories. Okay. Let's, let's just bear that in mind. So what I did was I wrote an article where, um, I pointed out that, you know, all the research on humans doesn't really support that. And I calculated an approximate dose you would require you know, based off the rat studies that he was referencing to actually get this effect. And it works out as something like 10 litres of Diet Coke, you know, to actually elicit the same effect, assuming that orally consuming Diet Coke would have the same effect as actually infusing into your bloodstream, you know, as self-MK. So anyway, obviously nonsense. But um, but yeah, this is a huge thing because you'll, you'll see a lot of gurus, a lot of fitness uh, gurus out there telling you you can't have diet beverages because they'll you know they'll make you sick they'll make you fat um and this is just basically sticking two fingers up at them yeah i, I just want to give a shout out to my main man john c peters phd who um gave that quote i think it's a really good quote there is so much yeah. information about diet beverages that isn't based on studies designed to t- test cause and effect that right there that is it man test <laughs> studies like we looked at um, with that almond study although shit had the right idea Yeah, they had two experimental groups to try to badly control um, extenuating factors and try to come out with some kind of cause and effect Um, looking at rats looking at mice, looking at cells is not cause and effect Uh, it's it's, um, part of the induction process yeah, when you when you take isolated rat pancreas cells, right, and and you and you reference a study on that to talk about effects in humans, when we know full well that although yeah, you can look at animal studies in some cases, like maybe pigs for metabolic stuff, because um, they're quite close to humans and a lot of their response. Um, but but when you look at rats, who we know have a different, you know, for instance, cephalic phase insulin release is different in animals than in humans. We know that. So you can't look at rat studies exclusively to determine, um, you know, how dietary interventions in humans should work, especially when, you know, you, you're telling people not to track calories, <laughs> um, but you're telling them that the insulin that spike that they are definitely not getting from a diet of soda is the thing that's derailing their progress. I mean, it's, it might be the stick of butter. It might be the stick of butter you're putting in your mouth uh, every morning. Well, you know, with your morning fat fuck coffee. coffee. Yeah. I, I, we're going to rename that fat fuck coffee. <laughs> for, for all you fat motherfuckers who want to put butter in your coffee, it is now called fat fuck coffee. Nothing bulletproof about it. Um, yes. Well, <laughs> you know what? 
I'm gonna have cream in mine because cream tastes a lot better than fucking butter. Yeah, cream cream is fine. I mean, even I mean, coconut oil to an extent, I can kind of understand a teaspoon of that. It tastes quite nice. Personally, I wouldn't bother because um, I like to drink my coffee the way God intended, which is black. You know, um, black, no yeah. sugar, no sugar, <laughs> cold water instead of milk. Yeah, that's how it's done. Oh, that's how exactly. I do it. Anyway. I can drink it faster I mean, I, to get that caffeine. And I'm not saying anyone that doesn't do that, you know, should feel bad, but it is, you know, morally wrong to do that, and, and maybe maybe you should feel a little bit bad. Maybe next time um, you get a steak, maybe you should cover it in fucking ketchup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or just put some ball cunt on the internet told you to do it. Or just put the steak in a blender, put the steak in a blender with oh, ketchup. Oh, hell no, hell no. And then chug, chug that. Bulletproof. I will come through the internet and kill you. <laughs> yeah, bulletproof steak. <laughs> bulletproof steak. Uh, but but yeah. why stop there? Why not? Why not take your coffee and just get some pork scratchings? Nah, and blend, nah, nah. What blend about up? you take your coffee, steak, blender, butter, blend, <laughs> and some pork scratchings as well? Because pigs and shit. Yeah, and then and then chug that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> what I was going to say on a more rational note um, was that what you can do is you can use pig studies, um, rat studies. Um, cell studies as part of the inductive process as part of your precursor to build your theory so if I see this effect in rats okay I'll try it on pigs okay maybe I'll try it on humans and before I try it on humans or on humans that are specific to the population I want to try it on and try do a cause and effect study maybe after I've done that maybe I'll try and make some inferences Maybe. Sounds like a lot of work, Mark, uh, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an awful lot of work. If, if only some kind of maybe like uh, drugs companies or something came up with a similar sort of, you know, process. I mean, that would, uh, that would, that would be pretty useful, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, well, uh, spent tens and hundreds of billions of dollars um, doing it as well. Until that happens, I'm just going to stick to Wikipedia, <laughs> thank you. No um, Wikipedia rat studies. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> uh, obviously a jest. Some of it. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, the next one uh, comes from my personal favorite website, www.tnation.com. Um, that was sarcasm for anyone who couldn't hear it through the internet. Um, it's called Cardio Kills. How running and endurance training can shorten your life by Mac Sheridan. Um, I'm going to save you the the pain of reading out the article. And um, basically, his pl- his play by play is there are benefits to regular exercise, but as far as he- heart health and longevity go, marathoners may be no better off than the guy on the couch. Research has suggested that free radical damage from long and frequent cardio workouts is especially detrimental to cardiac and skeletal muscle. The long-term effects of chronically elevated cortisol, cortisol, such as you see in endurance athletes, have nearly as detrimental an effect as oxidative stress with respect to disease, showing associations with metabolic syndrome, diabetes, heart disease, depression, and in fact, all causes mortality. Many mistakenly blame food for putting our bodies into an acidic state. It eventually forgot that their two-hour run that same morning resulted in an acidic environment with a lighter, higher th- likelihood of causing damage. If you love running or endurance training, you might want to find a new hobby. Fuck you. Um, 
Right. Oh, there's so much wrong with that. So it's all over the map. It's so fucked up. Um, right. I'm just gonna start off by looking at his uh, his little play by play here. There are many benefits to regular exercise, but as far as heart health and longevity go, marathoners may no better off the guy on the couch. Um, to augment that little argument, he's taken out three um, marathon runners or endurance trainers who have died in the last. 30 years with those things. Um, Jason Morande, um, Mike Jenkins, and the fin- other strongman, John Paul Sigmundson. There's three strongmen who died in the last 20 years. That's not even looking at like wrestling athletes, um, looking at powerlifters who may have died, bodybuilders for sure. Oh, hang on. You mean, you mean bodybuilders? Can die at an early age because I I've never heard about that happening before. I know, sounds, I know it's completely. Like, Mark, Mike, Mike himself, Mike himself's a bodybuilder. Um, oh, okay, right. <laughs> so that's, that's why I made that distinction. I mean, if you want to name one strength sport, we can do this all day long. <laughs> all day, son. <laughs> strength sports, steroid abuse, put you at a far greater elevated risk of de- early death than pretty much anything abused. <laughs> exercise related being a big fucker who takes steroids is not good for your heart um, if we want to go down the, the route of looking at scientific studies we can do that but I don't feel a need to because it's pretty well established um, research has suggested that free radical damage from long and frequent cardio workouts is especially detrimental to cardiac and skeletal muscle now, that's funny because the primary um, adaptation mechanism of resistance exercise is skeletal muscle damage yeah, and it, hang on a second. Um, don't you get oxidative stress by weight training? Well, yeah, and that, that might be one of the main triggers for uh, for satellite cell response and hypertrophy. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, learn something new every day. Yeah. Yeah, sweet. Um, the long-term effects of uh, chronic level of cortisol. Uh, cortisol, that, 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 I think that's... You put that in your coffee, don't you? Yeah. Cortisol. <laughs> I think again, I think that's fairly instrumental in the whole hypertrophy response. Yeah, it's funny that that's the only hormone actually correlated with uh, long-term muscle gain, isn't it? Yeah, so, uh, funny that. Maybe oh, well. you should do that. Maybe bodybuilding's not good for you. Um, yeah, I mean, it turns out if you do a, a bodybuilding show when you diet, cortisol is the thing that keeps you alive because uh, you know it's actually scavenging that dead glucose for you. <laughs> hey, you don't want glucose in your blood, man. You oh, want no, keto ketones, <laughs> bruh. Stay low carb. Uh, I don't. I don't use ketone. It's. Uh... <laughs> but you mix that with creatine. Fucking <laughs> hell, boy. You're in some trouble. Oh god. Um. You see, an endurance athletes have nearly as detrimental effect as oxidation. Blah blah blah. Shown associations with metabolic syndrome, diabetes, heart disease, depression, and in fact, all cause mortality. Uh. Yeah, if there's one thing established in the science or the sports science literature or the health literature, is that moderate exercise increases your longevity, endurance, and aerobic exercise increase, and <laughs> um, you reduce your risk from all cause mortality. That's pretty much the one thing that's been established beyond any reasonable doubt. Um, as far as exercise goes, there's a lot of work on it, and it shows a direct opposite to what you're saying. Um. Many mistakenly blame food for putting their, our bodies in an acidic state. I, I never got this thing with the whole acidic state. 
Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? I mean, it's like I think these people seem to imagine that we're like in an alien film. You know, you like, you you eat too much meat or something, or you go for a run, and you know, if you cut open a vein, you're just gonna, you know, it's gonna burn through the floor, and then you know. What if you're in an alkaline state? Like, yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. Um. Yeah, I mean, he goes on to talk about lactic acid like it's something bad. Lactic, you should actively seek out lactic acid if you want to train for fitness, because you need to build up your lactic acid. Act, <laughs> such a retard. Your lactic acid threshold and your ability to buffer it. I've heard um, lactic acid, you, you know, has something to do with weight training. I might be wrong though. I, I don't know. It may indeed also be one of the prime <laughs> precursors the hypertrophic um, response due to <laughs> increased levels of. Growth hormone and lactic acid. I mean, fuck knows. Like, um, yeah. Um, if you love running or endurance training, you might want to find a new hobby. If you lift weights, you might want to f- find a new hobby because you're gonna die. Um, yeah, we, we we could delve into the article like in depth. Oh, I don't really want to. Yeah, and I, I like how um on the bit. You know, the section about telomeres, he said, although the three radical theory of aging is still considered a hypothesis, he missed out the bit where he said that we're pretty much sure that it isn't right either, given <laughs> all of the research that's coming out now on uh, reactive oxygen species and oxidative stress and mitochondrial adaptations and all of that. Um, so he may as well have just deleted that. You know, once you've written that bit, just don't bother typing the rest, you know. My personal favourite is his main figure shows isometric force up the... <laughs> Y diagram. Oh, nice, cool. That's that yeah, makes so sense. Measure of muscle strength. <laughs> and yeah. To determine the effect of endurance training. And you know what else is interesting is that that's a U curve, right? And what he might have, <laughs> what he might have found you sort of bear in mind is that you know exercise. You can also look at it like a U curve, where you've got people at one end who do no exercise, people on the other end who do loads of exercise. Maybe in the middle. There's like a sweet spot, you know, where... There you go again with your fucking moderation. (laughs) I'm sick and tired of this bullshit. You have to do it hard or go home. That's how it's done. So the entry are too hard. No in-between. I'm not interested in In in-between. In-between doesn't sell supplements. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, this is full retard. Um, What I would also like to state is he doesn't put one reference in the entire thing. He, well, he's got time to read references. I mean, <laughs> you know, if Wikipedia, well, check. If Wikipedia's showing us anything. Hey, man. You don't want to fact check. That's the last thing you want to do. Just make a statement, put it out there, and then that's it. That's how it works. That's it, man. <laughs> that's it, man. That's the health fitness industry all over. Um, yeah, I just want to finish on this quote. Um, and lastly, if you love running, I suggest finding a new hobby. I love eating chocolate and drinking wine, but that doesn't mean I'm consuming them five times a week for three hours at a time. In all seriousness, anything you love about running, endorphins, alone time, camaraderie, competition, can be experienced somewhere else while potentially increasing your lifespan instead of knowingly shortening it. Like maybe lifting weights, which has every single negative bet, like aspect to it that you just mentioned and are far worse. Yeah, I mean, so basically, do stuff that you enjoy, just don't do it in the specific form which I have a problem with, you know, it's basically, like... Basically, just don't do long, slow endurance training, because I hate it. Just go just, to the pub, just it, go to the pub if you want camaraderie. Just, just makes me so mad. 
people going out and running for a long time. They're not in the gym lifting weights. God, just makes me so mad. I hate it when people don't share my interests. Oh, why are you not lifting weights? You could be lifting weights, taking steroids. God damn it. <laughs> it's like when, you know, you know when you really like a certain genre of music and then you, you meet someone who doesn't like that genre of music and you just hate Fucking them. Fucking assholes, man. Yeah. So, I just, sorry, that's uh, so crazy this morning. <laughs> just, uh, I'm not really with it today, man. Oh, really I just get so mad. Just get so damn mad. I'm fucking raging right now. Uh, I'm gonna go out and yeah, I'll maybe not make that joke. I was gonna make a joke about shooting shit up, but yeah, probably not in good taste. Um, uh, that's probably really this, the line in the sand. That's probably over the line in the sand, right? Or, um, is, that, is, yeah. is that cool? Well, is that cool? It's probably probably not cool, but I'm sure about <laughs> a million people have made those sorts of jokes already. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't push the boat out so far just yet. But God damn it, man. I'm just so irrational when I'm mad, though, you know? Yeah. I just don't really think about what I'm saying. Much like Mike. <laughs> he must have took He's all of the creatine that biotech he was high, to take. High on creatine when he wrote that article. <laughs> high as a guy. He was fucking high on something, that's for sure. Um, okay. <laughs> right. E-cigarettes. E yeah. Let's Let's do it. So basically, um, we have 50 experts, or more than 50 experts, according to the Daily Mail. I'm, I'm surprised they can actually count that high, but um, they've signed a letter sent to the World Health Organization because the WHO um, see cigarettes as a threat to health. Um, and the reason that these experts have signed this letter is they fear that what will happen is that people will carry on smoking regular cigarettes um, and it will have huge health implications. Um, now, what they're claiming here is that e-cigarettes should, you know, not be classed as a tobacco product because they could save millions of lives by um, weaning people off actual, you know, tobacco-based, you know, real cigarettes. Um, and this this letter was signed by more than 50 researchers and specialists from around the globe. Um, the Daily Mail claims. Um, now. Just to put it in context, uh, a total of 178 countries are part of the international convention for the, uh, that um, are obliged to implement these measures. Um, and the letter was addressed to the Director General Margaret Chan, and it was arguing that low-risk products like e-cigarettes are part of the solution to fighting against smoking, not part of the problem. Um, so they were basically saying that regulators shouldn't be treating low-risk products as like they do traditional tobacco products, um, and we shouldn't be legislating um, in the same way. So there's a number of different experts, uh, you know, supporting this this letter. Um, I mean, to me, I don't know where I actually stand on this because I'm not sure that e-cigarettes are necessarily safe. Um, we don't fully understand you know, the long-term health implications of using e-cigarettes. So although I can understand and support the idea behind this letter, uh, I'm not sure whether or not the claims of, you know, e-cigarettes saving millions of lives can really be substantiated. Yeah, that might be a bit too far to state that they save millions of lives. It might be a little bit too far. Um one thing that does piss me off by these articles is why don't they just mention the number? Why, why does it have to be more than 50? <laughs> it's it's one, 51, yeah. 3 million, 2 billion. I mean, all those numbers are over. Oh, but, you know, if, if you're a Daily Mail reader, you don't have time to you know, sit down and 
Hey, no bug of time for that, man. If you're, if you're a daily mail reader, I'm surprised you can read, if we're yeah. being honest about it. I mean, uh, if, an, if this article doesn't have anything to do with immigration or house prices, I mean, your average daily mail reader isn't going to be interested anyway, so... Or imagine <laughs> some immigrants in an expensive house paid yeah. for by the government. More than 50 immigrants have signed the letter. Send <laughs> <laughs> of the World Health Organization. They, they want to ban your e-cigarettes. <laughs> Immigrants coming over here, taking our cigarettes. Taking our e-cigarettes. Fucking assholes. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I fully support what they're saying, though. Um, they, rather than targeting something that could potentially be an aid to someone who wants to give up what we know is a, a terrible idea, i.e. smoking, um, to help them give it up as an aid. It gives them nicotine and not tobacco. Um, if it has some health risk, Health, some health risks, then so be it. Crossing the road has health risks. Um, well, exactly. It, Comparatively, I mean, this is a huge step, isn't it? But yeah, I think I think the problem with this really is that you know we're getting into the territory of stuff like drug policy, and given that in most countries where this will be implemented effectively, if it does go through, they have a pretty messed up drug policy where you know. Drugs like tobacco are, you know, pretty much, you can just purchase them without very much restriction. Meanwhile, safer drugs, which we know don't have any of the social or, you know, individual harm associated um, with tobacco, are heavily regulated. And, um, you know, I think this is just part of the wider issue of nonsensical drug policy around the world. You're here. The, the two biggest killers in the USA as regards drugs are alcohol and tobacco, and by orders of magnitude, not not by a few percentiles. Um, I think, I can't I can't remember the metrics off my head, but I think it was like 2010, um, they did an all-cause mortality for drugs, um, tobacco and alcohol made up 98% of all deaths, opiates made up 1.2%, and then every single controlled substance made up the further 0.8%. Yeah, shout, shout out to our boys, uh, Alcohol and Tobacco, uh, doing a great job out there. <laughs> the dominant in the market, bruh. <laughs> All you other drugs, you're just hating. <laughs> hating. 99% market share, what up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty sad, but then, you know, it's not going to change, is it? But uh, if we could have maybe made some small steps with e-cigarettes, but then again, you could you could be really cynical and say here, well, does the tobacco industry benefit from this at all? Um, you know, huge uh, huge industry there, making loads of money. Yeah, uh, maybe benefiting from uh, keeping this off the market. Yeah. Maybe they had some lobby groups, perhaps. Maybe some interest going on there. I, I don't know. That's, yeah. Wouldn't be wouldn't be the first time that uh, logic bowed the money. I'm sure it won't be the last time. <laughs> all right, sweet. Um, all right, that uh, concludes the news section. It took a bit longer than I thought it was going to. Um, we've got coming up now is our topic of the week. Ben, you've been probably read, read the most of this. Do you want to shoot off? Yeah, so um, I, was re- I was reading about three parent babies. Oh, no, uh, no, 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 man. 
Oh, the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah the one you started off with. That's oh, it. yeah, sorry, Elliot Roger, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought I'd start with something more positive, maybe, but yeah. Uh, get... uh, let's, let's get real negative before we get uh, Okay, so Elliot Roger, um, TLDR, misogynist killer, um, who shot some people um, recently, and if you've been following the news at all, you'll be more than fully aware of, of all of the implications of that, and um, a lot of the fallout from this is kind of what I would like to talk about because I don't I don't want to glorify Elliot Roger by talking about his motivation or you know talking about what a troubled guy he was um, because I think I, I don't think it's right to to give um, ser- you know mass killers the kind of um, you know coverage that they they do get in the media. Um, I, then boys sort of said it best when they said you say it best when you say nothing at all. Yeah, exactly. Um, but just just to give you some, you know, enough information if you haven't been following this, um, the guy was 22 years old. He had a history of putting out YouTube uh, videos and um, you know comments on bodybuilding.com, uh, which were misogynistic and it showed a real kind of deep seated hatred for women. Kind of, he was resentful because he he felt like he deserved. Uh, to get what other guys were getting with girls, didn't see the obvious character flaws which made him creepy and, you know, obviously uh, repulsive to women in many respects. Um, and then when he finally, you know, went on this this rampage has been described, which isn't the most helpful term uh, for the media to use, um, what happened was people started you know looking for reasons for why he did that and so we've we've been told that it was his Xanax addiction so it was drugs that made him do it uh we've been even been told and this is the point of what I'm getting to is that it was creatine and and bodybuilding that made him do that now um just to show the kind of high quality journalism we have in the UK um there was an interview that a reporter did with uh, a guy on bodybuilding.com now you know, without going into the full details of what was said, basically she got trolled quite spectacularly. This article went to print, uh, and it featured such gems as uh, mentioning a guy called Hugh Watney, uh, who died, who, who, who died squatting 350 kilos. Um, talks about creatine, you know. <laughs> I mean, this. I, I just called on that, that Hugh Watt mate was the name Hugh Watt mate. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah, no. That's absolutely brilliant. And the, the best bit is this all went to press. This went in the Daily Mirror. Oh, it's um, there. I've got links to the uh, reputable paper. Links uh, to all of it. Um, and it got spread around. Uh, the Daily Mail, I believe it was up there online edition that featured this. You know, this was not researched or referenced. This was literally just a Facebook conversation with someone who could have been anyone and was indeed just a random <laughs> troll. Virgin Musker. Yeah. And it's nice to know that in the UK we have, you know, actual tabloid, you know, print newspapers that will publish hearsay <laughs> because they've got <laughs> deadlines. Oh my god, that's actually made my day. Yeah. <laughs> you want me? <laughs> you want me? I ain't no ordinary kid, mate. I take creatine. Yeah. And uh <laughs> and this is influencing the opinion of uh, you know, people in the UK who read the Daily Mirror, you know, obviously yeah. these aren't our friends, you know, they're not your friends we're talking right. about, but there's people out there who might be reading that and 
<laughs> let's imagine you don't lift weights, you don't go on the misc, um, and you're not in health and fitness. Now let's imagine that this one person maybe reads the Daily Mail, or was it the Sunday Mirror? I think it was the uh, Daily Mirror. It was, a, it was the Daily yeah. Mirror. I think the the, the Mail also. Um, yeah, they ran an article. I think it was. I think it. it was just online though. But the, <laughs> the Mirror actually went to print with this. I think. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. So let's imagine. Well, they're reputable sources, right? I mean, it's a newspaper. They got a fact check. They gotta do the stuff, so uh, this is legit. So creatine is a, is one of a drug, no, it's amino acid, um, that causes people to get <laughs> creatine rages. I mean, oh. I'm mad. I'm mad just thinking about it. I'm so mad. <laughs> oh, you what? You what, mate? Oh That's my god, brilliant! I mean, I I think I I laughed solidly for about half an hour when I when I first saw all this. Uh, Unravel. <laughs> I just, I just honestly, I hadn't laughed so much in a long time. And it, but, but then I thought, hang on a minute, what if this actually got banned as a result of like a, you know, a campaign to get rid of creatine? We should start that campaign. Yeah, we should really. I mean, that will make no difference to anyone's training. <laughs> Let's just do it. Yeah. Let's get it off. Um, yeah, the, the actual story of how creatine came to market's um, pretty interesting. Yeah, can't uh, I should probably shouldn't raise this guy. I can't remember details. Um, but it was basically the guy who started Muscle Media in two thousand. Was it three? Two thousand three thousand. Uh, I'm not sure. Anyway, it was like one of the first um, bodybuilding rags. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy, but this um, story comes from Steroid Nation, which is um. Uh, book basically about the social um, history of steroids in the USA. And this guy basically originally made his money um, selling steroids to bodybuilders. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they carved on, I don't know, I can't remember how they got wind of creatine, but um, they started up a, a company that you might have heard called EAS, also related, <laughs> related to Metrex, was it? Metrex? Oh yeah, the Metrex—they were—they were actually doping their products, weren't they, with actual steroids at one point? Uh, were they not? Was that not just cross-contamination, or was that just? Straight? No, no. Well, <laughs> um, there's a number of supplement companies that have been done for this in the states um, that have actually tampered with. Uh, you know, they put pro hormones or actual steroids because it is cheaper than the, the whey protein uh, just put Dianabol in your uh, Metrex meal replacement it'll do know. something yeah um, yeah so basically through mail order in muscle media 2000 I think it was Metrex was the company that he initially did it through um, EAS Body for Life and all that came later um, he basically started, became a millionaire from selling creatine and other supplements Um and creatine was the was the one that started it all. Thanks, creatine. Yeah, we salute you, creatine. <laughs> right after I kill these people right quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's so outlandish and it's so ridiculous that you have to laugh at it. Otherwise, it would be deeply depressing. Th- this has got to be push of the year, twenty fourteen, right here. I honestly think this is some of the best trolling I've seen in my life. Uh, uh, I mean, you didn't have to try very hard. I mean, 
he just created a mystery story and yeah. she went for it. Um, yeah. Maybe she send copy pastas to Daily Mail and Mirror reporters and see what we can get in the papers. Just makes you wonder. I mean, can I can I believe anything anymore? You know, how do I know what's going out you know on out there in the world? Given that we've literally got reporters talking to people on Facebook who are actively trolling them, you know, <laughs> deliberately feeding them the wrong information, deliberately. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, but not even in a subtle way either. This was this was not even subtle. Nah, this this is like ridiculous. It was well worth a read. Um, we'll I'll put the the URL to the thread in the show notes so you can have a look. Um, so, so just epic. Uh, I take I bow to you, um, dwell pin racer. Just, <laughs> just fucking epic troll, right? Epic troll. Um, but yeah, like this goes to show, like quite a lot of the things in the media regarding almost everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, are probably bullshit. Well, think about it for a minute as well. Like we we just learned that uh, you know Wikipedia nine out of ten. Medical articles on there are bullshit. Well, to be um, fair, it was, um, I read the rest of the article, it was 10 doctors who looked at 10 articles on the 10 most common. Oh, okay. Um, are the 10 most costly, um, medical thingies, the US economy. Um, medical diseases are, not, I'm going into full meltdown here. Um, yeah, but still. Yeah, top, so, even if it's slightly biased sample, yeah, it does, certainly give you cause of concern but I, I was just going to say that given that you've got reporters with deadlines here who are just looking for a story makes you wonder how many of them are relying on this sort of recycled um, second hand information not really looking at primary sources I'd be willing to bet that the, the vast majority of the sort of the rag media as it's called or the uh, like the sun or whatever the fuck it's called most of that sort of stuff is just based off this just a message from someone. I mean, like the the, the celebrity gossip's the worst one for it. Yeah. Um. Someone sends in a message with someone's name on it, and then it's news, and then it's fact. Uh, you, you don't really have to go far to look at some of the ridiculous shit that gets passed off as um, news and these things. Yeah. Well, it's and and then you look at uh, you know the other worrying side of this is is a lot of people also actively spread misinformation themselves on social media. I've, I've been seeing a lot of people posting this article that claims to be from John Hopkins um, talking about cancer, and it's it's basically it it's just complete nonsense. Um, and John Hopkins released you know they made a media release saying that you know this was a hoax uh, going around, but you'd be amazed how many people believe this nonsense um and unfortunately it doesn't matter how many press releases you do saying that something's a hoax it it's too late because once someone believes something it takes far more evidence to overturn that belief well, than basically it does what will happen is someone who hasn't got an active interest in this topic will read the daily mail or read the mirror see this in there and then that's fact and that's it that's it. No matter how much you argue with that idiot uh, on uh, Facebook or anywhere else. Uh, but ours. Um, <laughs> uh, well, that's where people pick up like um, their fact sources and news for things they don't aren't particularly interested in. Yeah. Oh no, exactly. I mean, that's being a bit uncharitable. It's it's, it's, <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah. It, it's just. I think it's just frustrating when you're at the other end of it, and you know, 
you see stuff which is just so obviously wrong and it it's it's creating a kind of environment where it takes far more effort to spread you know real information out there than it is to just you know fire off like a hoax email and the oh yeah other way of looking at it is though if you have the real information it's really easy to stand out when someone takes the real information and does it because they notice the difference yeah i suppose there is that yeah Therefore, maybe maybe it's a better environment for the likes of you and I to exist in, rather than. Um, yeah, I guess it, it depends how palatable the information is. I suppose. I mean, if we're just telling people, yeah, go and do a moderate amount of exercise and you know, <laughs> moderate your diet. Yeah, no one's really. Gonna <laughs> no one's gonna listen to you. Yeah, people that do listen to you, they'll get some pretty good results though. So they'll be happy to listen to you. Yeah, and they, and they can send us uh, you know, some money. Yeah. Cash money. <laughs> cash. Uh, cash money, cash. One million dollars, cash. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that. Like, well, I've said it from day one, and you've chimed in from day one, that this is basically what you're dealing with in the media and supplements and all the rest of it is a crock shite. If you want to, like, know what to do or you want to look at the real world then look at the middle and go from there <laughs> so if one idiot is saying one thing and another idiot is saying the direct opposite maybe go in the middle and then go from there where you're going to deviate towards <laughs> yeah it's funny because I was, I was talking about this with someone else and was, we were talking about heuristics you know and it's just Stop looking at things which give you marginal benefit. If you, if you, you know, if you're general population, don't look at things which give you marginal benefit. If you're a tight, you know, if you're a small population, like you're celiac or whatever, and we're talking about removing gluten from your diet, yes, you get huge benefit by removing gluten. 98% of the population get no benefit. So stop looking for marginal uh, benefits. Look for stuff, heuristics which you can apply, which will give you a payoff most of the time. Don't look at stuff that is going to, you know, have a very small chance of actually giving you any sort of positive benefit. Um, uh, that's a really good bit of advice that I never thought of. Um, but then she met, since you mentioned it, that made me think of something else. Availability heuristic. This is the sort of shit people see every day. So that's why the majority of people have retarded opinions on health and exercise. Is because they look at stuff like this. And well, available heuristic basically skews your um, your thought on the likelihood of something to happen. So if you look at the, the classical example is in um, shark attacks are in the news, then people automatically overestimate the, the statistical likelihood that they're going to die from a shark attack if they go in the water. Where if you actually look at the statistical um, likelihoods of things, it's more likely that something stupid will happen, like you'll get struck by lightning, then you'll be attacked by a shark. Um, so that's like when things are in the news, things are in newspapers, things are on TV, things are on the radio, they almost become de facto facts. Yeah. Regardless of the truth of it or not, because that's what people are bombarded with, so that's what people think. And uh, and it also turns out that when you, when you glorify um, people who go on killing sprees and when you put their face all over the media uh talk about all of their problems and really really make a big deal about you know their manifesto turns out that just breeds more uh killers um but don't don't you stop you stay 
<laughs> you say classy media. Yeah, uh, Ch- Charlie Brooker's got a great bit on that. That's on YouTube. Um, so funny. But yeah, a very salient point. Maybe um, don't idolise the people who kill people so they can be idolised. Maybe just don't even mention it. And just bury them in an unmarked grave, shit on the grave, <laughs> and then walk away. Just bury them in creatine. It's what they would have wanted. <laughs> That's how they would have wanted to go. Well, they're going to go right from the dead. Creatine zombies. I mean, what, what I want to happen is when I die, I want to be sealed inside a giant pouch from my protein containing, <laughs> containing nothing but the finest creatine. Hurricane Evo. That's what you want to be. Hurricane Evo, yeah. You will be making mad gains in the afterlife. <laughs> All kinds of gains. So many gains. So what are you trying to tell me is that some marketed powder isn't going to make the difference that I've always wanted in my training. Is that what you're trying to say? I'm not trying to tell you anything. I, you know, you're trying, you can, you're trying to crush my hopes and dreams here. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. <laughs> you're doing a pretty good fucking job. <laughs> um, yeah, cool. I think that pretty much covers that. In a fairly rational manner. Uh, right, so. We're going to go on to a bit that we did in the first episode and then missed out the last two episodes, which is basically our topic of the week or topic of the podcast. Uh, Ben's going to fire off first. Yeah. Um, actually, I think you should do it. Uh, I haven't really got it. <laughs> I, I can't find the link now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is awkward. Um, was it, oh, sorry. Yeah, I think I've got it. Right, so, well, well, do we, you want to go? Yes, we were talking about the three parents' embryos, basically. The three-way eggs. Three-way eggs, yeah. Now, just to point out here, I am going to uh, bring up the Wikipedia page here. um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to edit this right quick. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But um, in the UK, um, there's sort of been a tentative... um, kind of okay for three parent ba- uh, babies. Now, what happened was the... So I'm, I'm referencing new scientists here. I'm not looking at Wikipedia. Just, just put your mind at ease. Um, so the UK Human Fertilization and Embryology Authority um, said that it wasn't... They said not unsafe. Those are the words they chose to describe um, this new technique for creating babies. Um, so this isn't, you know... This isn't saying this is going to happen in the UK. It's not approval. It's basically a tentative kind of this might work out in future if we do enough testing and research. Um, but, you know, who knows where it'll go. But the idea of um, three parent babies, just in case you've never heard of this before, is to kind of eliminate faulty mitochondrial DNA. So um, you've got the DNA in the mitochondria of the cell and you've also got the genomic DNA in the nucleus of the cell. Now, if you've got fight, faulty mitochondrial DNA, it turns out you, you might pass on, um, disease, um, or, you know, it might, it might result in, um, in conditions which we, you know, we want to try and eliminate for whatever reason. Okay. So disregarding all the, you know, moral aspects to that and any sort of moral debate over having, you know, three parent babies, just the basics of the technique are you take, um, the nucleus of an egg from one donor, um, so you can call her the mitochondrial mum, if you like, uh, and you take the, 
Yeah. <laughs> and you take the cytoplasm of another egg, which is the genome, you know, the nucleus, uh, part, uh, from another mum. And then you fertilize it in the traditional way with, uh, sperm from a, a donor. Um, and so you, you have a child there who has DNA from three different individuals. Um, so it's an interesting concept. And I believe some research has happened in the States. Um, and I think China are the ones who are really actively researching it. I, I guess morally, you know, in the States, they've probably got more of an issue with this kind of stuff, um, due to the kind of religious, um, you know, the power of the religious groups in the States and possibly the UK if it, you know, if this becomes a viable option over here. But, um, I think it's a really interesting idea. Uh, have you got any thoughts on it, Mark? Um, GM bad. <laughs> yeah, um, Nah, man. I don't really know much on enough on the topic to really have any kind of informed opinion, other than any kind of scientific progress. People want to bring the medical sciences. I'm more than welcome. So, yeah, sweet. Yeah, and it's okay. it's interesting because you know there's a guy. There's a comment here from a guy called Andy Greenfield who's um, who's saying you know we don't know for sure if this is a paraphrase. We don't know for sure if these technologies are safe and facious in humans. Uh, sorry, yeah, effective, I'll say. In um, and we, you know, we won't know for sure until we do it in humans. All of these questions were asked in the 1970s when IVF was a new technique and they were only answered when the first IVF child came along. And I think that's probably the most pragmatic and sensible comment you can make about this is that uh, we'll probably find out when we actually try it um, for the first time. Yeah, um, just like any kind of scientific method or any kind of medicine or drug in its infancy there's, there's always going to be risks involved it's not going to be 100% effective or 100% risk free to start with uh, but if it comes up with um, shit that lets people not be disabled then fucking hell yeah yeah I mean looking at some of these diseases as well um, you know the, some of the diseases we're talking about which would be a target for this sort of uh intervention um like alpers syndrome um they're quite you know these are pretty awful um you know diseases to be um to have to live with um and you know we're talking about in the case of alpers syndrome um seizures not meeting developmental milestones in infancy um you know intellectual disability low muscle tone uh, Shit, muscle tone. progressive dementia you know the, and the seizures and stuff on top of that it's obviously you know if you have a child born with that sort of disease you know you'd still love them um and this is an option i guess for people who just don't want to pass that on um uh, if you're a good person you'll still love the child yeah it might not not necessarily writ that's going to be the case but anything that gives someone an opportunity to have a normal life over not having a normal life whether they have a disability or not then I think we may be putting that person at a better advantage yeah. if they're not born yeah. with a kind of congenital disease. I mean, I think as a parent, it's going to be it's going to be your choice, isn't it? If you if you know if you've been screened and you know that you have this sort of um, there's a possibility that you might be able to pass this on. I think just giving the parent the information and the option is is all that we need to do. Um, you know, it's their choice if they if they decide to go ahead. Yeah, the, the ethics of the matter may be above the scope of this podcast, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely. Um, 
Yeah, then you could go down the other route and with like people with religious beliefs who maybe don't want to have someone vaccinated or don't want someone to take some kind of life-saving treatment. Yeah. Is it their decision? I would venture not. Um, but yeah, like I said, probably beyond the scope of this podcast to discuss discuss such matters. Uh, it's crazy. Oh, yeah, man. Crazy. Well, especially, can't discuss such matters under the, the guise of creating that. that just wouldn't be fair. We could, uh, oh, God. I mean, my hands are shaking. Oh, man. No, I, I, I just feel like a rash. just won't go away, man. Just get like these headaches. Neck. Oh, God, yeah. Just get these really intense headaches. So just, you know. It's like talking to the girls makes me so, like, you know, <laughs> so agitated, man. <laughs> Oh, like they just don't pay attention to them. I'm sitting opposite them with my dick out. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously their fault. I mean, yeah, fucking, it's the creating's fault. It's definitely not my fault. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, as regards to shoutouts for me, I don't really have anything currently that I want to um, give a shoutout to, other than doubles. Doubles are awesome. I've been doing. Uh, Program doing the minutes like five to six sets as a minimum of two reps at a minimum of eighty percent of target weight, and it works awesome. Yeah. Um. But then the program before that worked awesome, where I was doing reps and eighty percent. So, again, where the systematic reviewed science would say that the more volume you can get in the eighty to ninety percent range of RM is optimal. That that just doesn't make any sense. That that doing that would produce better results. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, just hammer home. Um, just do the reps, do the frequency, get the gains, live the dream. Yeah. Uh, yeah shout, shout out to my boy um, Carbohydrate for providing <laughs> blood glucose uh, appropriate times. Shit, um, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, well, maybe what you want to do is uh, do like high intensity training, Mike Mesger style, while on a low carb diet. Yeah, well, for yeah. I, I think that might be the key to getting even greater gains than I've been seeing. Are right, anyone right has seen in the face of the planet? You know that that uh, training methodology that no one in the history of ever has used to get into Mr. Olympiaship. But it is advocated by two guys who got in the shape they're in, doing traditional weight training, taking steroids, and then making up a program. Yeah. Not, not that these people will have any kind of um, disingenuous... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Motives. I yeah, know. yeah, disingenuous motives to maybe, you know, sell books, make money. Not, not, not that money would be a motivating factor for anybody. No, well, um, when has when has that ever got in the way of uh, putting? <laughs> I, I I just uh, everyone just wants people to do well. No monetary incentive needed, which is why you paid so much for this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but if you wanna if you wanna support this podcast, you will of course uh, send a you know a donation to me and Mark. I mean, me mainly, of course, maybe maybe well, a little maybe bit. Maybe send me thirty percent, Ben. Um, are just 100% pay for the mean, coffee. Just, just uh, pay for the coffee, you know. To pay for my Waitrose own brand coffee. 
It's not really up to the job. Milicano's the future if you're in the UK. <laughs> that fine grind. Fuck. I feel like coffee in general. I mean, these AeroPress filters I bought won't last forever. You know, I, I'll need to replace them at some point. So, uh, you could you live in the coffee high life? <laughs> espresso. One day I will have enough disposable income to stock an espresso machine. That's my that's my that's my dream. Or to own a Starbucks in my own flat. <laughs> I'm gonna need to start selling some fucking programs. Yeah, so on that note, uh, if you're looking for any sort of custom programs, hit us up with an email. Yeah. What's your email, Ben, for anyone who wants some custom programs? Uh, bentormi at gmail.com, or you can go to www.benjamintormi.com. If you want to, you want someone to show you how to get strong, fit, powerful, sexy, shoot me an email at speedpowerperformance at gmail.com. Website's castarianstrength.com, where we also keep our new podcast website, which I've been working on today, which I'll link in the show notes. We should hopefully be available on iTunes as I speak and via RSS feeds. So if you use Android phones like Podcaster, Podcatcher, Dogcatcher, um, you should be able to find us on there now. Dreamcatcher. So Dreamcatcher. That, is that a podcast? It could be a podcast. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah, or on your Dreamcaster if you're a Native American. On your Dreamcast. Yeah, on your Dreamcast. <laughs> <laughs> Download it on the CD-ROM, compress it in the MP3 form, and listen to that shit through your TV. <laughs> listen to that on your CD, Walkman. What a world, man. What a world. Um, just to close out, going to look over some uh, user comments, which I appear to have lost. Um Quickly, um, this is just on the, on the um, on the on episode three YouTube page. Um, David Oliver, good stuff as previous. Please continue. Thank you very much, David. Please continue to comment. Maybe even ask some questions. Um, Jordan Heater, sounds like you two guys are having a ton of fun doing this. Haha, <laughs> good stuff, Ben. Uh, I obviously didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it, man. Um, propanefitness.com um, even if it's Yousef just comment on the goddamn videos that may or may not have been Yousef again watching our videos thanks Yousef thanks Yousef <laughs> you're the man um, uh, and then there was another guy Jio Morph another great podcast keep up the good work bros cheers Gino. Um should talk about the steroid and creatine sent Elliot Roger over the edge not serious well, we've done it. We've yeah, done did late. it. Too late. What are you going to do now? How are you going to act? Too late, do you know? But he produced um, uh, the, the link, which is great. So if you guys want to provide links or things you think we should talk about in the comment section, do it. Um, more content, the better, as it makes this a lot easier for your things to go off. Or, uh, you know, just sit there in silence, listening to podcasts, and then don't interact at all. Well, you yeah. can do that. As soon as there's like a million people doing this, then the 1% that interact will be a lot of people. But while there's a hundred of you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it, it'll make us uh, make our job a lot easier if you interacted and ask questions or even just want to get on the hate mail train, which I'm up for. Yeah. Uh, it's like my one uh, one goal in my internet life to be important enough to get hate mail. Hasn't happened yet. Um, that's when you know you've made it. When you get hate mail, still ha- Every, 
all of the communications I get are nice. So I'm obviously not doing it right. I mean, some haters. Ben, do you want to be my hater? Um, yeah, I mean, give me a bit more creatine. Uh, that could easily happen, yeah. I didn't want you to kill me, man. I just want you to be... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the on me. Send, send you a horrible message. Yeah, sure, I can do that. Sure, I can do that, man. Um, yeah, like then we could read them in a funny voice. It could be like a, we could even have a podcast separate where I got so much um, hate mail, we read it in a funny voice and made a joke you know, out of it. You know that my uh, my favorite comedian Stuart Lee actually off well in his shows he often just includes a section where he reads out. Is that the neg- guy from Adam and Joe? Uh, no, not the guy. No, it's from um, he he did some stuff with Richard Herring in the nineties. Um, you might have seen that, but yeah, he he reads out a lot of his not hate mail as such, but like really negative comments and reviews yeah. online, and <laughs> just just reads out the most horrible comments he can find. There's uh, there's one bit from a guy. Um, I'll send it to you after the show. It's absolutely hilarious. I may put it in the show notes as well. It's one of the guys from Adam and Joe show. Like. Goes on, things are such a good show. This is awesome. Um, Right, so that's enough um, withering for one week, possibly even a fortnight. Um, I've been Mark. And I've been Ben. Until next time, please, for the love of all things holy, stay off creatine.